G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod Point of Difference podcast, talking all things AFL fantasy, and we are talking the GWS Giants. It sounds like there's another drop. There it is, boys. These theme songs absolutely going off in the Pod Pod studio. Thank you to DJ Checkers once again from Marmalade for coming up with the goods there. We're talking about the GWS Giants for this team preview fantasy, AFL Fantasy 2024. I'm going to get into the team numbers, then we're going to talk all about it. I'm your boy Dossie here with Statesman, five-time top 100 finisher. We've also got John Harmy, who's got two top 10 caps somewhere in his house, in a cabinet somewhere. We've also got Louie, who's a regular in the top 1,000, and he's vying for that top 100 this year. The team numbers for GWS... Last season, seventh on the ladder, losing that heartbreaking loss in the prelim to Collingwood by the singular point in an epic game, losing to the eventual premiers there. So that was an absolute epic game. Sixth best for fantasy scoring last year. They were pretty defensive-minded, though. Number one for spoils, number one for tackles inside 50, second for intercept possessions, and third for rebound 50 rate including number one in the competition for the last five games last year. So Adam Kingsley really getting around that slingshot style game plan, and it was absolutely paying dividends late in the season. Tell you what, Lou, seventh on the ladder, that seems to be way too low for the Giants in year two under Kingsley following that hot finish to the year. Yeah, I think they're even projected by Squiggle to be uh, top of the ladder at the end of 2024 just based on fixturing. So uh, GWS, said they're certainly on the improve. Um, they There's no exaggeration in previous years when they've said that they are the Lamborghini. They've got plenty of top picks and uh, plenty of them have come on really quite nicely. And uh, Adam Kingsley appears to, to know exactly what he's doing in there. So uh, excited for the Giants and always a super fantasy relevant side for us each year. Something that probably didn't change too much in the offseason as opposed to other teams. Their trade period, pretty quiet on that front. Their ins, I've got nothing really. Like they, I don't think they brought in much at all. Maybe a couple of late draft picks there. But their outs, they lost Phil Davis to retirement. They lost Matt Flynn to the West Coast Eagles and Daniel Lloyd also retired there. So a few few outs, but no no key outs, no key ins really. I think it's all going to be a lot of internal sort of changes, internal development from the Giants' point of view. But their buy round, a big talking point in fantasy this season. So they've got probably one of the most awkward starts to the season in terms of do you pick them or don't you? Playing in opening round, that's an immediate red flag for us already because we know that they're going to have an early buy. They've got the most awkward time. Round three buy, and then they've also got the round 12 buy, of course. But the worst part of this is that all our fantasy-relevant players that we really, really want to pick from the Giants, can we do it, Stato? They have North Melbourne and West Coast in their first two games before that round three buy. Yeah, um, so the golden rule is primos no, but those that have got a uh, a low break even if they're a rookie or a large price rise and a better role as a mid-pricer, 
um, is worthwhile taking a pump because of their matchups. The the good thing we get with the primos here is we get three rounds to actually have a look whether there's any role change, any challenges to people like a Tom Green, who we most of us would consider a, a top eight mid. So you can have uh, a one up, one down with two mid prices uh, come round four which could be one of your round five or six players that have got a buy coming up to actually get one of these primos in. But, of course, because of that matchup, if you've got someone that's going to make you cash and get you good points, it's a win-win, you take the punt. Um, so we'll sort of talk about some of the players that we look through in the list that might be worthwhile to consider if their opening round score and roll looks really good. Yeah, let's look at the most popular picks for the Giants. And due to this reason, as you're probably laying out, Stato, this early buy is really scaring off fantasy coaches at the moment. Just one player has 10% or more ownership for GWS, and that is Tom Green. So just under a million bucks, you got to pay up for him, Harmy. Close to 111 average last year. He had the 170, I think it was, on his resume last year as well. 22% ownership at the moment. Let me give you this scenario. Comes out against the Pies in opening round, drops a 140. He's got North and West Coast to come in his next two. Is there any way you're picking Tom Green to start in your starting squad in AFL Fantasy? Would it be tempting, wouldn't it? Um, But I don't know, mate. 140, just that early buy, that's a thing for me. So he's not the sort of player that I think you could do it with. Some of those um, cheaper mid-prices and rookies potentially, but not the primos. Lou, let's round out the three of us here. Are you on the same page? Uh, yeah, I'm probably not as keen as what some others are. In fact, I'd probably rather starting somebody like a like an Errol Goulden that has that later buy that I might be confident can go at that 110 rate. And uh, it's not to say that I don't think Tom Green will pretty much keep on keeping on. I think he is a 110 guy. Uh, I just uh, I just question a little bit where the improvement comes from. Um, he went at 32 touches a game, five tackles, 3.4 marks, nine goals, only kicked the one behind in that. Uh, obviously, young player can uh, can get better with a little bit more experience, but he just ticked every single box in 2023. And uh, he does have a nice fixture to start with a North and West Coast, unfortunately, then has the bye. But he's probably just, yeah, due to that buy, somebody that I'd, I'd rather just avoid and trade into because I'm, I'm not sure he's going to get away from us anyway. You had something to chime in too, Stato. Yeah, um, some may say that he's got a good uh, starting fixture, 110 average last year. This is his scores against West Coast, North Melbourne and Hawthorne last year. 90 against West Coast. 73 against North Melbourne and 69 against Hawthorne. All right. There's a little bit of extra stats there for anyone who was on the fence. I don't mind that, Stato, but, yeah, Tom Green, it's a tough one. You, I hate to see the West Coast-North matchup miss out on those two. I, I think he can, you know, do better this year against those squads. But let's look at two you, other players. You're really disappointing you're missing out on that 73, Doss. I just think he'll dominate them this year. This is, you know, oh, another yeah. year under the belt. I, don't, I think he'll he'll bully those teams this year. I think it was Liam Shields that ran with um, ran with Tom Green against okay. uh, North Melbourne, and then um, I 
was it was Finn up against? No, him he was match, matched up against Connor Nash. Oh, no. Who tagged him? Yeah, but I, I suppose it is a little bit of a moot point too because uh, he certainly announced himself to the competition. So you you may be able to make the case that Tom Green does receive a little bit more attention, whereas in previous years it has gone to a to a Josh Kelly to a to a Lockie Whitfield type. Two more players currently just under 10% ownership is Toby Green. Stater, you're his biggest fan. He nearly averaged close to 90 last year, 9% owned. He's a star of the competition. You know, we're going to be talking the same stuff to do with the buyers here, but he could actually feast against these two teams early days. I'm actually going to have a quick look at the data because I've seriously considered this um, and it gives... Three three weeks, um, but uh, but effectively two rounds in the normal season to have a bit of a look see of who the actual ones are popping up. So, hundred eleven uh, with three goals, two against North Melbourne, and an eighty nine with four goals, two against West Coast last year. So. Um, yeah, it's it looks a little bit better than a, than a Tom Green. You're also talking a, a fair whack of price difference, 200k, and we're talking a really forward, um, thin forward line. So look, it, it's one I've considered because of those matchups, and um, maybe it's not the midfielders that absolutely feast. It might be the forwards. Stato, you have considered starting Toby Green in your round one fantasy team. Yeah, because he's uh, TFG. <laughs> For those at home, Toby Effing Green. He's a big fan, old Stato, from day dot, um, and we don't blame you. He's an absolute gun. Uh, Aaron Cadman, though, talking about forwards who could feast, is another popular player just under the 10% ownership, but snuck him into this segment, 9% ownership. Harmy, he averaged a whopping 24.5 fantasy points last year. But we saw other players in this mould up, the most recent one being Oogle Hagen, just taking a little bit longer to develop. Obviously, the Giants have faith within. They've re-signed him. In terms of just playing early games and as a basement price rookie, could you see him being an option? I, I personally have him on my bench at the moment, and I think he's a solid option, especially with those two early nice matchups. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Dossie. Like, I think as a bench option, no worries. Um, I'd be happy to do that. I think he's going to get regular games, be a bit of a slow burn. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm interested from that perspective. But if you got him on field, expecting him to hit 65 a week, uh, it's not going to happen. All right, the big dogs from last year. Top three averaging players for GWS. We've talked about the number one. It was Tom Green. Number two, Stephen Cornelio, 102 average. And then Josh Kelly at 98. Given what we've said about premiums, do either of these two come into calculations for us? Or putting it the other way, is either on your watch list coming out of their buy after round uh, three by there, Louis? Yeah, I think it's on the other side of that buy. Uh, I can see a scenario where both Cogs and Kelly are a little bit underpriced. Certainly Kelly uh, is more capable of things there, but uh, you'd be keeping him for those first two rounds and then you're, you're potentially trading them out, uh, which isn't ideal for, for the reason that you're picking them. So for that reason, I'd rather target them after that buy, but I do think that both those players potentially could have a little bit of meat on the bone uh, 
especially like I mentioned, if some of that attention, which those players have gotten in previous years, sways away towards a Tom Green instead. Now, Lou, talking about some players that might be relevant because we are saying, um, you know, from our perspective, we're not huge fans of starting too many players in the high price brackets for GWS, at least in our starting squad. But let's talk about some rookie priced players. Aside from Aaron Cadman, we've covered him. He could be a nice bench option. There's a few others uh, that we could be considering here, Lou. Yeah, Josh Fahey, uh, he got a few games last year. Uh, we spoke about Sean Manor the other day. He went at 111 in the VFL and we're all pretty keen. Well, he went at the exact same average in the VFL, Josh Fahey. So, uh, unfortunately, he's a mid only. I think if he was a defender, he would be in a lot more teams. He'd be above that 10% mark, but... Uh, keep an eye out for him. And if he does line up round one, uh, he could be a sneaky pod uh, either on your field or on the bench because his ability to score being quite a high metres gained and uh, prefers to stick it on the boot is always uh, quite favourable to fantasy scoring. Beautiful, mate. Is there any other options for us there in that rookie price bracket? Yeah, Harry Roston or Rouston, uh, he got seven games last year, uh, obviously in Adam Kingsley's first year at the helm, so that's always encouraging. There's clearly something that he does like about him. I think he was the sub a couple of times in there as well. Uh, Gun Jr. numbers from memory and uh, pretty good in the VFL too, so uh, if he does get games at 241k going into his second year in the system, I think it is, uh, he might be one that we can... We can either start or uh, maybe even probably uh, more likely downgrade to. And and finally, we got Darcy Jones, who was a top pick in 2022. I'm not sure what number he went at, but there was a little bit of hype around him then. Uh, unfortunately, he did his ACL very early on in the piece, but comes in at 200K for us now. So if he is around the mark uh, and he's named, then he might be somebody that, that we're looking at a basement price and... Uh, I think you had a look at his junior numbers there, Dossie. It was pretty impressive too. Yeah, I could only find the Waffle Colt stats, so probably not greatly indicative of what, what his potential is. But yeah, he he averaged over a ton in that, 104 points, 16 kicks, 10 handballs, four marks, five tackles, sort of hits all those stat lines that you want in fantasy footy. So yeah, obviously, long time ago um, in the juniors as well, but one to certainly watch at that basement the very, very basement of basement 200K. So, yeah, definitely a few options there. I do like my Josh Fahey. I'm not going to lie. I've watched a bit of him play in the, in the VFL as well, sadly enough, from my perspective. And, yeah, he does have a bit about him there. Uh, let's look at the points of difference available for GWS with the caveat, again, that these guys, maybe you're looking on the other side of their buy, but please jump in if you're not going to be, if you're going to be looking at them as a starting option. There's probably a couple that we'll talk about a bit later that might fit that mold in the cheaper bracket but a Lockie Whitfield Stato um, probably in that premium bracket that you're not going to look at but could you be um, sort of targeting him early season? Yeah absolutely so he's one his finish to the season was pretty promising so he's one you get the three weeks to look at the role make sure it's it's a-okay and you can pull the trigger because 855 is actually pretty cheap for Lockie Whitfield what he can do uh, if his form is anything similar to the end of last year, he's certainly one we should keep an eye on. And looking at what they they changed there, or not changed, they just got incredibly good at their game plan late in the year. As I said, last five games, number one for rebound rate. So Lockie Whitfield, a big part of doing a lot of that out of the back line. So yeah, 
big fan as well myself here. Um, Kieran Briggs, just quickly, I think we've got too many ruck options out there, Harmy, but he was pretty impressive, uh, the big fella in his first year at the ruck helm. You'd be pretty happy taking him in a uh, draft comp, but no, I'm not interested in um, him because there's too many others that are perceived better value, I reckon. What I will say, the next guy, I'm definitely got my eye on this year. He's a guy that I have tagged with that observable thirst um, thing about him. He just really wants pill when he's out on the field. He's also in that sort of mould in the back line using those rebound 50s to his advantage. Lockie Ash, Louie. $761,000. Is that too expensive to consider for a starting position? Um, I'm not sure, Dossie. It sounds like uh, I might throw this one to you, but he has improved every single season since his debut. And you're right, he does show a bit of that thirst. And uh, he does have a really high ceiling, which I, I like to see from a young player. So once it does all come together, uh, he's someone I can see having that consistency to possibly go at that. 90 plus mark this season but uh, it sounds like you're keen mate what, what's the interest there i just like the way he goes about it I, i'm not going to be look i'm not i'm not gonna lie he's not he's not in the frame for my classic team i do like him in draft and i think i'll talk about why you know i'm a bit scared off in the classic realm and it's about another guy that we can talk about next in terms of harry himmelberg 653k moving back into that defensive line looking at the kick-in side of things. So Lockie Ash was taking 22% for the season, but he really tailed off towards the end when Harry Hummelberg moved back into defence and was taking a fair bulk of the kick-ins late in the season. Uh, Harry Hummelberg, though, stayed early fixture, obviously being easy. Could he get involved, you know, once the game's in hand, you'd imagine against North and West Coast, if things play out the way we'd imagine, could he get involved in some cheeky plus sixes back there and... Honestly, at 650K, that's maybe enough to make some coin even in a couple of weeks if he if he does have a great opening round against Collingwood as well. The game style has changed to where his 10-week run um, uh, was delivered. So I, I'm not as high as I would have been if he had the, the previous coach and he was down there for good. Um, also, we're now talking the third player in their defensive group. So there'll probably be one, uh, maybe two that we should be interested in. Uh, going three in a defensive, same defensive line is probably a, not a good way to set up your squad. All right, there's another name here that looks cheap for what his potential was, but kind of dropped off the radar probably due to the guys we're talking about with Himmelberg. Whitfield and Ash in the defensive line. Is Isaac coming, Harmy, now just a draft option for us? Oh, he dropped a lot of value last year, didn't he? Yeah, he went down. He sort of plummeted because he didn't really have a role. The year before, he was off that back flank and he looked excellent. But then last year, you had Ash and Whitfield on the two back flanks uh, with a bit of run and dash, and he sort of lost his spot. So he tried to reinvent himself as a wingman and didn't seem to be that successful in it. So I'd be a bit concerned um, going into the season, not, not sort of knowing what he's going to be doing. So... Um, I'd say it's probably a pass for me at this stage, mate. With the game style that they have, if there's two injuries and he slots back into that halfback flank and you know he's got the role for the majority of the rest of the year, he's really good value. But otherwise, we don't know what he's going to be doing. He, he got lost on the wing. 
All right. Now, one probably fantasy name, in my opinion, that is one to watch in the years to come, but is this going to be the year that he really pops and especially, you know, at this price, $684,000, it is an awkward price, but two fantastic matchups early, Louis, for Finn Callahan. Fantasy coaches are keen to see how he goes this year. That's priced at seventy six for the year if you're playing at home, Louis. It, it's just too awkward of a price, Dossie. Um, we, we're going to keep backing over this, but that buyer really stitches him up. Otherwise, there probably would be a little bit of fleeting interest in him. Um, but unfortunately, you're probably only going to get two price rises out of him before you're looking to trade a guy like that. Yeah, he's definitely one to watch for me given uh, Callan Ward spent 47% of centre bounces last year, even a Josh Kelly if they want to play him a little bit more on the outside and switch Callahan on the inside. He only spent 20% of his centre bounces were last year. He certainly ramped that up a little bit later in the season, had a few injury issues as well. Um, that's, I think, back on track. Everything's looking good for Callahan. He's one I'm pretty excited about, but yeah. We've talked about it enough. I think the buy round really stitches up the GWS Giants if you have not figured that out during this podcast. Um, look, good luck in draft for all of them, but I think they're going to be big targets coming off their buy. That'll do it for the GWS Giants. We've still got a few team previews left. We hope you're enjoying this. If you are, make sure you give us a follow at PodPodAFL on Twitter. You know, now it's called X these days. YouTube, Instagram. We're even on TikTok, believe it or not, despite having the fossil on board here. So go and give us a follow on all those at PodPod AFL. And we are trying to hit 250 ratings on Spotify. So pretty easy to do on Spotify to give us a rating. We know a lot of you are listening on Spotify based on uh, my little analytics that I check it out. So I know you know you can just press those buttons and give us that rating. So we'll see you on the next Team Preview podcast. We're going to be talking... Who are we going to be talking about? I'd have to look at the ladder, but uh, look, look forward to that one. See you there.